3: Hello and welcome to Novel Dialogue, a podcast that brings novelists and critics together to explore the making of novels and what to make of them. Today we're blessed with a truly starry lineup, Alejandra Zambra, Megan McDowell, and Kate Briggs. So I'm John Plotz, one of the many hosts you're going to be hearing in season four of Novel Dialogue, which is devoted to translating fiction and fiction and translation. So as loyal listeners will recall, our podcast has always been basically a triangle in nature. A host opens the gate and then outrush a scholar and a novelist and hijinks ensue. So well, this season, we're gonna play around with that format. Today, a novelist, his translator, And a noted theorist of translation are going to form that triangle. Well, I am going to be a fourth wheel, I guess, which is mainly going to roll along silently. I think that's what fourth wheels do, and then also introduce. Um, The theorist today and the real convener of the conversation is Kate Briggs, whose 2017 This Little Art won the Wyndham Campbell Prize for nonfiction. The prize citation speaks of This Little Art accurately as at once a memoir a treatise and a history, but perhaps inaccurately, depending on how we think about translation, when it calls it her first book, since she also earlier put out marvellous English versions of two Roland Barth books, The Preparation of the Novel and How to Live Together. And I should add, she's also since published uh, Entertaining Ideas, and a word on the street, Kate, you can confirm or deny, has that, that you have a novel forthcoming as well.
1: A kind of novel-adjacent Thing. Yes. A novel, Jason. <laughs> we okay. can talk about that. Yeah. Good.
3: Yeah. Um, no, yeah,
1: in the space of the novel, I should simply say it's a novel.
3: Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, thanks. Well, well anyway, Kate, welcome. It's great to meet you. And thanks so much for doing this.
1: Thank
3: you. Um, and also, Zoom present today is the prize winning translator, Megan McDowell, a Richmond, Kentucky native who now lives in Santiago, Chile. You're so lucky. Megan. <laughs> um, so the Latin American writers she has translated include Samantha Schweblin, Mariana Enriquez, Lina Meruane, and of course, Alejandro Zambra. So Megan, thanks for being here. Of course, thank you. And so speaking of uh, Alejandro, ta-da, or as Nietzsche might say, eke, homo. Um, you probably know him as a Chilean poet and a fiction writer, the author of such marvelously witty works as The Private Lives of Trees, Ways of Going Home, My Documents, Multiple Choice, and most recently Chilean Poet, which I think we could also say, continuing this question of translation, we could say are also books by Megan McDowell, at least the titles that I read, since every word of Zambra that I've ever read was in fact put down on a page by Megan in her role as translator. In any case, um, Alejandro, it's a, a joy to meet you and really a thousand thanks for being here and for speaking with us in English, so good morning. Thank you, thank you for this invitation. So glad to be here. So with that Olympic torch lit, uh, Kate, I'm just passing the flame to you.
1: Okay, um, wow, what an honor, I feel like this is um. Long overdue meeting in a way, because I've admired your work, Megan and Alejandro, for so long. Um, And yeah, I have so many questions. Um, I I mean, I guess we want something we planned uh, to sort of start things is to ask you to read um, and to read from Chilean Poet, which is a novel I've now read twice. And as I was saying before the recording started, um, made me laugh, made me laugh out loud. It made me cry. The ending makes me cry. Um, I think we might... um, you need to read the whole thing in order to reach the ending obviously um but it's such a beautiful such a beautiful book um i hope that we might talk about sort of reaching and the time a novel takes to read and the kind of effect that it produces and what happens when we reach the ending of this novel without trying to give too much away to readers or listeners who haven't read it yet but um i wondered if you might begin by sharing um some of the work in spanish and also in translation in english in megan's translation um and that could from there we could talk further about what these passages are doing and everything else
2: okay we can do this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so thank you for your words about this novel i'm going to read a, a short poem that is Inside the novel, and and and, and then, Megan, you, you might read it in English. Mm-hmm. Okay. El viento es un él, igual que el trueno y el rayo son ellos. Pero la nieve que nunca he visto y la escarcha que conozco y la garúa que es igual a la lluvia y la tempestad son ellas. La palabra Lámpara es una ella, igual que la palabra mesa, y la palabra palabra, y la palabra alta. La palabra verano es un él, igual que el invierno y el otoño. Se dice una primavera, se dice un terremoto, un tatuaje, un lunar. Se dice una peca, una cicatriz, una herida, una lluvia, una gota, pero un Gotero. la uña y el corta uñas, la lata y el abre latas, pero el pie y el puntapié, la noche y la medianoche, el día y el mediodía, pero la sombra y el sol, el cuerpo y el espacio, la mano y la blusa, pero el pie y la pisada, y el deseo de no jugar nunca más con las palabras, Y el deseo de no jugar nunca más con las palabras. Y el deseo de no jugar nunca más con las palabras.
0: So this is my um, version of that poem. And we can talk a little about how, how I got there. Um, in my mother tongue, the word for earthquake is masculine, though I may disagree. The word for tattoo is too. The mole on your skin, that's male, but a freckle is female like a scar, like a wound, like the rain and a raindrop, but a leak, now that one is male. The wind is a he, same as thunder and lightning, but the snow, which I've never seen, is a she, and the frost, which I have, is also a she, and so is the drizzling rain and the storm. The word for lamp is a she, naturally, and likewise the word for table, and the word for, ch- for word, and the word for chard. In my language, the words for winter, summer, and fall are all male. Only spring is a female season. I may disagree, and I do, but those are the words that we have. A fingernail, she, and nail clippers, he. A bottle, she, and its opener, he but a foot and a kick are both he. Night and midnight, hers and hers. Day and midday, his and his. But shadow and sun, hers and his. Body and space are his. Hand and blouse are hers. But foot and footfall, his and hers. And the desire to never play with words again is all mine. And the desire to never play with words again and the desire to never play with words again.
1: Thank you, that's beautiful. Um, it's interesting that you chose to read that, that particular poem. I wondered, well, for many reasons, there's lots to, to talk about, but there seems to be in the, in the translation by necessity, there's this kind of reminder that of course, this originated in another language, in a language where, the, where nouns are gendered. And, but this, this is happening in a novel where, we're also reminded at certain moments these like one or two kind of very delicate moments that this is a novel that's being written um, so there is that kind of these sort of moments of what would you call it like i guess self-reflexivity or kind of um, reminder or opening or in a world that's so kind of fully imagined and so compelling there are these reminders that we are uh, being told a story we're in a space of narration we're in a space of something being made up so, I just wonder, yeah, Megan, I'd love to hear how you indeed you arrived at that version, and I guess Alejandro, the question following that would be around this what it is to do that, you know, to have these reminders of of actually this is this is a novel in the process of being written um, uh, and to sort of reveal that gently uh, to the reader
0: so i I like to read this poem because I feel like it encapsulates a lot that's going on in this novel and in in the translation. You know, it's called Chilean Poet. It's a it's a book that is very situated in in terms of place. And it also is very conscious at all moments of language and what language is doing. So this was the thing that I struggled with the most was this this poem, because, well, hopefully people will have read the novel or are going to read the novel. But um, there are uh, there's a. Two characters. This is this is a poem written by Vicente, who is the young poet, um, one of two who the novel focuses on. And he writes it when he's about 18 years old, and he's it's addressed to this girl, woman, who he has fallen in love with, who is a gringa who's from the United States. She's in Chile and she's also been struggling with language because she's learning Spanish. Or she she knows Spanish, but It never stops being something that she really struggles with and one of the things that she struggles with is the gender of words so that's what the poem is about you know these are these words are feminine and these words are masculine and there's nothing we can really do about that and my version kind of makes explicit i guess something that i feel is implicit in the spanish which is you know it's not really fair body and space are masculine and you know Hand and blouse are feminine, and, and there's nothing we can really do with that. And, and I, like, through, I put in this line that says, I may disagree, but these are the words that we have. And, and that's, well, without getting too, too much into the plot, it's a callback to something that's really important with his relationship with um, his stepfather, who is the other poet, one of the two who could potentially be the Chilean poet of the title, um, that, he's, that he learned from his stepfather as, as a child. You know, we have to use the words that we have. So for me, translating this poem was like putting that into action, that idea of we have to use the words that we have, because how do you translate a poem about the genders of words into a language that doesn't have gendered words, you know, and up until the very end, I just didn't think I could do it. And if you look at a galley of this book, it's a different version that uses Spanish. And so then I I, Took that phrase to heart. You know, we have to use the words that we have, and so I, then I started thinking, well, how do we talk about gender in English? And this is something that I used a lot in the translation of the book: is just to talk about language. You know, sometimes I say uh, this character spoke in English, or you know, the Spanish word "padrastro" is negative. You know, sometimes you just have to be explanatory. So I started with that. And said, the word for earthquake in, in my language is masculine. Like a very, just making that statement, you know. And I thought of the phrase his and hers. And then I started playing with that. And then I got to the end and and thought, okay, the desire to not play with words is all mine. You know, playing off of the his and hers. So that's that's kind of in a nutshell how I got there.
2: Wow. <laughs> well, there are many things to talk about. Uh, um, I would just add um, about this poem we, we just read, um, that, that it, it is related to correcting other people's pronunciation. You know, when, when, you, when you speak a second language. Uh, um, in, in Spanish, I think it's very common that people would get to speak Spanish, making many, many, many mistakes, and nobody would correct you for many reasons, uh, in a way, uh, English is the language we, we've been exposed. Uh, so in a way we are, we are the, the, uh, uh, an American or, or an English person speaking Spanish, it, it is a language we, we've heard, you know? <laughs> so, and, and, and it's really not big deal that you make mistakes, for example, with, with, with the gender of words people would understand you. So uh, the the normal situation is that uh, nobody corrects you, but Prue says to Vicente, please correct me because I want to speak properly, you know? So uh, that's why Vicente takes this form of correcting uh, um, or or giving advice to this foreign speaker of, of, of his language. And and, and 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 creates a, a poem out of it uh, so I mean there are different um, uh, problems when when I speak uh, English, for example, I feel very stupid because i don't have i don't have a, a really alternatives you know uh, I, I have one word for saying one thing, and, and in Spanish, uh, obviously you, 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 you go with the flow and you, you have many skills uh, that, that, that you, you are not even aware of, uh, but when you speak, you, you feel, you feel that, that you can go this way or that way, but.
0: I feel like um, in, in, in this book, the, the character of Prue and, and also Gonzalo and Vicente, like they're all in a way Chilean poets. <laughs> they're all in a way, poets right because they're both there's something Alejandro has said I'm pretty sure I got this from him that like you know people always think that writers and poets are the people who really are good with language but really they're the people who are the most uncomfortable with language and they like feel it grating on them and you know and and they question every word and and they feel like the word there are words to say what they really want to say and 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 prude is doing that as she is living in Spanish. You know, she's trying to figure out how to use words to express herself in in, some, in a way in a process that is similar to how the poets are trying to express themselves through words. And the same way Gonzalo, when he you know, when he talks about the the word Badrastro, stepfather, that you know has this negative connotation, but we don't have any other words and um we have to you know use them in order to change them. And um I don't know. I really related with Prue in, in in that sense because like so many of her experiences, like when she's when she's giving when she's interviewing people and she spends the whole day speaking Spanish, she feels this mixture of exhaustion and pride, you know, and and yet she's very aware that like Alejandro says she's limited and she she has to she lingers over details too much, and um, she struggles to to tell stories. But it's kind of like being a it's kind of like being a kid, you know, when you're learning the words for things. Yeah, you know, and it's like it's there's a beauty in it.
1: Well, it doesn't maybe from what you're saying is this, you know, that there's there's well poetry begins or writing starts to begin when language no longer goes without saying. It's like it's not it's mm-hmm. something that is kind of open open to question in the way that translators like it has to be because we're you know we're suddenly confronted with like the the, the strangeness of English of how English works when you're trying to bring another another set of sentences into it but it makes me think of when I'm teaching um often I'm working with with non-writers like artists who have no interest really in becoming writers particularly but nevertheless are working with language and often with Mm -hmm. people for whom language is a second or third language and um for whom english is a second or third language and one thing i often say as a starting point is that you realize this this is a force actually this is not a a limitation this is your force because it does it means that you bring to bear exactly that that kind of questioning of not taking anything for granted in the way that Mm -hmm. um in the way that exactly is happening at all levels, I love that that all they're all Chilean poets um, in different yes. ways. Um, yeah. But, can Alejandra, I, I jump in with yeah, a sorry? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: As you guys were talking, especially Alejandra, the point you made about like that sense of depletion in a second language as a you know the kind of word cloud of possibility in your primary language and then the second language where there's only you know limited pathways, the one word you have to use because you're not sure about the other words. Does this does this make you guys do you think about this question of writers who end up writing in a in a second or a third language people like Joseph Conrad I mean the possib- or Nabokov even I mean whether that which which people often cite as this amazing superpower you know that they managed you know Conrad managed to do it even though he didn't even speak English right he spoke French most of the time rather than but yeah, I don't know. So I guess maybe a hundred one question is: Do you ever think about writing in English, or do you, you know, like like would that be a good challenge or would it be a, a nightmare? He's done it. Oh,
2: I've written uh, many emails yeah. Yeah, in English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 proud of, of some of them. <laughs> I mean, As a playful thing, I, I would I would I would do it, and, I, and I've done it. Um, and I, I wrote when I was living in New York. I wrote, uh, I would say, a whole novel in English, a very, very bad novel, but uh, it, it was uh, um, really funny because, because, because of that, because uh, uh, because I don't have a way of speaking English for for startups. I mean. When I was living there, I mean by, by the end of, of, of that year, I had I had some some own words mm-hmm. I, 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 had, I, I felt English differently, but still it, it wasn't my language and, and, and it was more like playing. but I, I had friends. I was only communicating. With them using English, so uh, that 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 makes a difference. That is something really beautiful. Many friends that don't speak Spanish at all. So I I I feel like um, in in some cases uh, uh, those friendships are 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 meaningful uh, because in a way our friendships uh, related uh, to to communication issues. You know. When you become when you become friends with uh, someone who and, and you have a, a really something against that friendship,
3: <laughs>
2: it's great that that when when you when you get to, to it. But I was I was talking about this um, little thing I, I wrote, uh, a very bad uh, thing. But but my my it was more like um, playing, and and I I never f- thought about uh, publishing it although Megan read some, some of it. Um,
3: and, but my, my, my rule was... You should was, make her translate it into Spanish.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but my, my rule is, I mean, it's something that I'm translating now into, into Spanish. And it's really funny because like a, two pages are 10 pages or one sentence is one word. You know, it's, it doesn't have a, like a, any logic. But the thing was, my rule was I, I'm not going to look up in, into the dictionary. So if my if I happened uh, if my character would 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 have to to use the door and and I wouldn't know the word door, uh, he might use the window you know? <laughs> <laughs> or
0: or, but, uh, or the thing was, that you yeah. use to go in and out of a house.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah I, it's a explanation. I wanted to flow, uh, uh, so I was. Uh, Sometimes making decisions uh, related to my limitations, um, and so now that I'm translating uh, very slowly this 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 thing I wrote into Spanish, I I, I, I have a lot of fun because uh, some things I wrote uh, I, I would have I wouldn't have written them at all mm-hmm. in in Spanish, but isn't. Isn't that, Sorry.
1: no, just, I think that's just so, um, that just really speaks to me. And I wonder if, if Megan, you feel the same way about translating one of the, I've just started translating again after a long time, sort of writing my own work, although that's a kind of complex thing of like what, for me at least, like when my own work becomes my own, like, you know, in the sense of, um, I guess work under my own name solely um, and I just started translating again and one thing I, I love actually also in, in other forms of writing are these limitations and and are indeed the fact of being constrained and like the need I feel like I'm someone who, who really needs limitations in order to it takes me a long time to put them in place in ways that make sense to me in order for anything to happen mm-hmm. because the kind of especially when writing fiction um sense of like well absolutely yeah it could be it could be the window it could be the door it could be the tunnel it could be you know the helicopter or like what is it that 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 narrows and gives a kind of a sense of necessity to what is written and i wonder if that speaks to you megan like what what what's what appeals to you about translation as a as a practice are these are the fact that it's a constrained form of writing that 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 there are that its its limitations are narrowed but that doesn't make it any less demanding or fascinating
0: yeah yeah I think I think that I think there are two kinds of people in this world <laughs> no <Tell us>. <laughs> those who feel like limitations are are freeing and those who feel like limitations are limiting and I am of the previous uh the the former um I, you know I think like I've, I've always thought felt like uh translation has a lot in common with like the Olipo writers who would write according to some, you know, hidden uh, organizing principle, like music or mathematical principle. And, you know, maybe you read the book and you don't necessarily know what that organizing principle is, but, um, but you can sense that there's something there behind it. And, and I, I feel like translation is very similar in that regard, that, you know, it, you're making decisions with every word. And a lot of times those, those decisions are unconscious. You know, one, one reason I, I like to read the poems is that I feel like those decisions become very conscious when you're doing something like that. Um, or with, with other books, like a lot of, well, this book too, a lot of Alejandro's works make the decision-making process, uh, they foreground it, I guess. Um, because you, you know, he, he plays with language a lot, there's a lot of, you know, sometimes experimentation, different voices, but you're always making decisions in a translation, and, but this goes back to the, to the limitations, you, you're making decisions between things, you know, you don't have the blank page in front of you, and, you know, it, if you have a great uh, knowledge of literary history and the dictionary, you have a lot of options, but, but they are constrained so and I do like that I do really appreciate that you know I feel like I feel like when I know what my options are to a certain extent I I know know where to go
2: every book is so different uh, to me and and, and this novel is is the only one I, I would I would I would think uh it's related to the idea of a novel you know so, so the and i think it's my first book that really resembles uh, the idea of a novel and my last one you know? so it's a, it's, a, it's a, it was a, my the writing it was a, in a way relating to relating to, to to the idea of a novel um it's a, and, and and having fun with that idea you know with, with the storytelling i mean the narrator is it's not exactly new in, in 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 my work. I think it's it's a, it's a little like the narrator of, of of some some of the stories of my documents. Uh, I mean, it's it's about conversation. It's about conversation, and 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 I think uh, the narrator is more talking than writing, and, and that makes a big difference between this book and my former work. But uh, in a way, this contradiction is. is uh, inside the novel, you know, between brevity and, and, and long forms, uh, between um, characters who hate novels, <laughs> but happen to be inside novels, novel, you know. Same <laughs> way we sometimes hate life, you know. <laughs> but we are alive. And, 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 and this, this idea that a that poem is related to intensity and a novel is uh, it's more loose. And it, it's more about, uh, I don't know, life. Um, and so in a way, I, I, I wanted to, to recreate everyday life. I mean, this is the first time I, I really want to do that. Exactly. Repetitions for starters. Uh, repetitions, uh, the way you deal with them, the way you never re- really repeat things uh, or mistakes. Uh, but uh, um, this is also a novel about being a poet or, or trying to become a poet, and, and there is this big question: Why? <laughs> why? Why do you want to? Why do you want to be a poet? Why, why do you want to become a poet? And and and, and there is this other. A similar question that uh, it's more more in the, in the autobiographical level. Like, uh, why, uh, when I was 15 years old, uh, I, I I found it reasonable <laughs> to, to, to to become a poet. Uh, and 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 I I have to say that uh, it was very important to me uh, uh, the moment where my characters started to be really different than me. Uh, at first, obviously, uh, both of them were in a way similar to to to, to my experiences, but uh, there was a moment where I I, I was able to to, to really uh, see them, uh, and and that moment <laughs> was um, exactly uh, the moment when I wrote their poems. I I interrupt. The, the writing, and I I uh, dedicate dedicated uh, I would say one week, but maybe it was one month uh, for for writing their poems, uh, not because I wanted to put them in the novel. I had the idea I, I would want uh, that to happen. I mean I, I like that. I I like when that happens in I don't know Nabokov's books, and and on in, in a different level when i like when that happens in comedy and in, in movies i mean uh, I, I like to be able to 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 have some of 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 the work someone is struggling with someone is trying to 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 get done you know uh, but um uh besides that i i really wanted to get to know those characters by uh knowing their poems. And in order to know them, I, I, I had to write them. <laughs> so, so I was just uh, imagining good poems, bad poems, sketches of poems uh, written by those characters.
3: I was thinking there's a thread here that connects the point, Megan, you were making about the enabling constraint. Of translation. the w- a- And the language that you were using to describe it sounded to me like the way people talk about the sonnet sometimes, you know, like uh, there's a famous Wordsworth sonnet, which I think begins nuns fret not at their convents, narrow walls. So the idea that the limit is actually the thing that allows you to build something because you have a wall to climb up yeah. rather than it being something that, that shuts you in. And then the connection to that, uh, Kate, when you were describing locating A site of subjectivity or a moment of intense personal feeling within not a poem that's voiced through your own voice, but a voice, someone else's voice, like not an appropriate persona. So I teach 19th century literature. And when the way we think about those poets of the middle of the century, people like Robert Browning and Tennyson and Elizabeth Barrett Browning, and Emily Bronte, for that matter, too, and Charlotte Bronte, they find voice for their poems by making up a character who will say what they want to say so it that sounds like what Alejandro like I love what you were saying about this being the the first novel you wrote kind of under the sign of the novel you know because you're talking about the characters coming into something like actuality or reality but that sort of enabled you to give them a lyric voice which is your lyric but not your own but not your own person that you're you're writing in and and yeah like in in the 19th century, we talk about that as like what happens when the Victorians kind of move away from romantic poetry, but it it it, it happens, you know, in our own writing as well, I guess. And and, and also this um, Alfred Tennyson and Robert Browning Absolutely. The
2: idea of, of the poem, the dramatic monologue, yeah, was related to to the fact that they were uh, in a way creating a character in order to express themselves. And, so so and, and 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 i I really care about that that kind of poetry with the literary genres um I feel like they are like clothes you use, you know and, and at first you, you 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 don't you're not really comfortable with them, you don't feel like this fits uh but uh um there is a moment where you feel that the the, the, the clothes are, are are got accustomed uh, to to your body in a way, you know. So it's it's a little about uh, the, but all all these questions I, I wouldn't say are not uh, uh, important uh, or are important. I mean, it's really like uh, every day you make a decision about them. What uh, I I I. I said that uh, maybe because, uh, um, as a poet, uh, when I was uh, writing, uh, I, I wasn't really uh, thinking about representing life. You know, uh, it, it's obviously a representation. I mean, obviously I'm doing that, but I, I, I wasn't really trying to 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 create uh, a, a reflex of. Of 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 a, of a previous world or or, or, or simultaneous wor- world, you know that it's it's more like a, a fighting with
0: words. One of my favorite parts of the book is where he talks about the silence of the days, which is not at all silence. You know, it's the sound of the refrigerator humming and the the door and people talking to themselves or to each other, um, or the part where. Um, this one I'm not going to be able to to quote exactly, obviously, but uh, it plays with the, the language of the report card. And he says they always bought Med Ken and they never, you know, they all they they occasionally ate scrambled eggs. And, you know, this always occasionally never to talk about the almost monotony of the days and and this life together that they all experienced for a time. And then and then spoiler alert, when it's gone, you feel that as a loss, you know, because you see that they were happy for a moment.
1: So just, I don't want to, I'm interrupting you, but only to continue, because I really want you to continue, but just to say, I think for me, there's something so crucial in what you're saying about the idea of like, what what this clothing of a novel is. And I think for me, it has entire, like its force or its particularity has absolutely to do with that, with duration. It being Mm -hmm. this time-based, unfolding, interrupted. Right. Yeah, digressive. And that's, that's, yeah, and that's why it has power that the days do go by, and I put the book down, and my day goes by, and I pick the Mm -hmm. book up. And, you know, there's something, I think, so particular to to that. But please, carry on. Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Well...
0: I mean, I I was just going to say, like, I really, I think what Alejandro said before is is really true and really important that this book is spoken, not written. And that was important to me as in the process of, of translating, you know, I read the book out loud as I was working on it in both Spanish and English. And, you know, it does have this kind of discursive voice. That you had that Alejandro has used before, like in some of the stories in my documents um, but but it's it's expanded, and that voice was really important in dealing with a lot of the, the questions of language that I had to deal with, you know because as you said in the beginning, this book is very Chilean and there are and I wanted to preserve that and I didn't want to um, you know, I think in a, a lot of times in a translation, there's this tendency to over explain or to homogenize and to take out the foreign and all that stuff. And you can't do that, obviously, in this book. So I had to kind of figure out how to talk about that and how to do that. And I did it by just pretending I was talking to someone in a bar, you know, <laughs> like, oh, the, so he said this in Spanish, you know, or um just just explaining it in a very in like a colloquial way in a way that 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 people can understand or leaving words in Spanish but but explaining them within the text you know and I felt like this was a voice that you could really do that with um because while every word is there for a reason you know like Alejandro thinks a lot about language and and knows exactly why everything is there. And I do know, I I feel like I have to know that too in the process of translating, like why certain words are there. So everything serves a purpose. And I had to keep asking myself what that purpose was. And sometimes that purpose was to maintain awareness of place, let's say, or awareness of, of that thorniness of language.
2: I'm really interested in, in the gap between people who don't read at all and people who read a lot, you know, uh, including people who read two books a year, you know five books a year. You know? This is something I'm, I'm really obsessed with, because uh, I believe uh, um, I belong. To, to the people who don't read, who don't like literature, you know? And, and I, 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 I don't want to forget that. I mean, I, I had this temptation when I was a student. I, 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 I like theory a lot. I like theory a lot. And, and academy uh, uh, felt like a new home. Uh, where I was able to speak this uh, new language. And I was smart and I was accepted by these teachers. So my future was, in a way, uh, being part of that. But, but there was a point where I, I learned that that was impossible because I wanted to communicate uh, with the people I love so there is something really twisted and, and 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 hard to explain uh i would say in english but in spanish it, it would be it would be hard for me to uh which is related to uh not um i think that that is really uh, m- uh made a difference in my way of writing in my style uh, uh my style is changing the whole time but i always feel like i I have to um, talk about the very complex things I want to talk in, in, in a very simple way and and that uh, uh, and that movement is is present in, in, in both books and I think in, in all books I, i've written like i I feel like um, and, and this is something that it's explicitly uh, present in Chilean poet, which is in a way a novel about uh, literary vocation, but explaining literary vocation, you know? So to me, it's very important the moment where uh, Vicente in the little room finds these books, uh, Emily Dickinson and Gonzalo Millán. uh, Those books are there and he flips through them and don't like them at all. He doesn't doesn't like those books. Uh, And some years later, uh, he he, he does like something. Um, And uh, and he doesn't know why, and that's so important. And that's why I think literature is in a very bad position uh, uh, today because uh, they, 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 they teach literature and and, and so, so you always feel like you have to, you have to understand literature. And, and, and if you compare that to music, now kids know about music from the very beginning. And, and nobody is telling them, this is music. No? Music is something you have to learn. And there are different kinds of songs. No, they don't need that. They play with it. They feel music. They listen and at the same time they know they are able to play music. You know, this is something really twisted about literature because for many reasons, reasons we, we do understand literature is now divided in, in, the, in the reading side and and the, the writing side, you know, even, even as as in, in university, you know, you have to study literature, uh, history of literature, literary theory and something really different is uh, writing. There's no reason for that if you think about it, and if you compare that to the way, for example, architecture is taught, you know? And, and, and literature has this, uh, so, so they, they, they teach you, well, this is a poem, and but they don't show you uh, 40 poems, 40, so it's like they would, they would tell you, okay, this song is music. And that's it, you know. So, so in a way, uh, I wanted this novel to talk about the uh, uh, literary vocation. I mean, the moment where where what, what's the word for 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 ardeja or chicharo? P. P? P. Uh, P? P-E-A. P. P-E-A. <laughs> well, this is the moment where uh, the he, Vicente reads a poem about a, a lonely, a solitary pea in, in the refrigerator, you know. <laughs> So so uh, he reads this poem and, and, and he, 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 he's really happy, because someone wrote a poem about this. I've seen and he's that.: seen
0: that I've seen
2: that. I've seen that pee in my own refrigerator many times. So someone's job is <laughs> to collect those totally useless, arbitrary images. And, and a poem could be that, you know, that's a big lesson.
3: I love this conversation, but I guess, I guess, I guess my job is to come in. It's like, I'm the hurry up, please. It's time guy in the, in the Elliot poem.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's so much more. Um, so
3: I'm going to conclude with yeah. the novel dialogue signature question. And this is something we ask everyone in the season. I should say in past seasons, we've asked people about things like what treat they eat while they're Writing, but this year we've kind of decided to leave the belly behind. So the signature question this year is: Is there a word or a concept that you consider untranslatable or very difficult to translate? And I just invite any of you to. to... This is something really complicated mm. for Megan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Megan hates that idea. You know, yeah. If you if you want if you want. Uh, um, to to make her mad, <laughs> you should
1: talk about. Did you want to provoke her? <laughs> no, yeah. no. no. That, Against yeah. against untranslatability. Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: Every time someone says, "Oh, I got lost in translation," yeah. she's really mad.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true. And whenever someone says, "Oh no, that's just untranslatable," my I will always say, "Nothing is untranslatable," because yeah, that is a, a philosophical stance that I take. However, I have started keeping a list of the words that I get caught up on that like always make me, like I'm never satisfied with the translation and it's not really the words that you would expect, but this is really only going to make sense probably to Alejandro and anyone who speaks Spanish because, because there are words in Spanish, But but there's like and these are words that maybe come up a lot in, in Alejandro's work, but llanto is a, a word that just can't it's it's such a powerful word. And Alejandro wrote a piece called what was it and uh Aprender algo sobre el llanto? Mm-hmm. And, the... yeah. And so yeah, I mean yanto just means sobbing, crying. Something like that, but I feel like the gerund is not a powerful word, but llanto is a really powerful word. And the same with olvido, which just means like it's like forgetfulness or or I don't know, sometimes it's translated as oblivion, but mm. but it's just like a powerful word. It is a noun that means having been forgotten or the state of being forgotten those are things that I, that I always come up against and I, I find it difficult to make them as powerful in English as they are in Spanish. And then I have like ch- specifically Chilean words like chamuyento um, or um, sometimes silencio versus quedarse callado, like just to, to silence versus not talking. Quedarse callado. Like in Spanish, a lot of times you have, you have verbs for the lack of an action like sometimes ignorar means not know you know and so anyway I have a long list of those but I won't go through them uh, because they're not necessarily concepts that are untranslatable like we have those concepts but sometimes I'm just a little disappointed in English and also words for sex English has much fewer words for sex than Spanish and much less satisfying curse words
1: and that must have been a huge project for this novel, in terms of like the oh, the, yeah. you know, the demand on your on your vocabulary in relation you to that. can I, can I uh-huh. kind of yeah no go ahead. I was just going to say you should yeah.
0: see the the long exchanges we had with our editors over the word <laughs> penetration in English. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really brilliant. No, there's lots of there's you know there's like and shitting and yeah. like you know there's there's but can I just put forward that I think the cat's ne- I think darkness is a better name in English. Mm then there um I did then then um what ocrian is it in Spanish? Obscuris... okay I just darkness for a cat I mean darkness <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just like a it's like a band name from like like I don't know it's just such a brilliant name for a cat I think maybe there you can kind of Compensate it's pretty good in Spanish. Know, it's of, pretty is, good in Spanish. Is it really yeah. good? Okay.
3: I well, I was <laughs> gonna oh, say that the, like the title bad. of this episode should definitely be I'm just a little bit disappointed in English, but but Kate, here <laughs> Kate, you're not disappointed in English then. You're you're standing up for English there.
1: <laughs> no, but I agree. I think um, with everything Megan said, that there's a sense it's not like it's not that there's an impossibility, it's not like there's not a way of doing things, I think it's always possible to rephrase, that's our work, to say it again, to say it differently, to release new meanings through the rephrasings. but there, are, there is one um, sort of phrasing that I, I bring into my English language, um, in French you can say j'assume, like assumer, which means all kind, lots of different things, but very compactly, like if I were to say something like a I cry easily, which is true. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, mais j'assume. You know, I. But it means I accept it. It means I take it on. It means I. I don't apologize mm. for it. Uh-huh. It's you know, it means a lot of different mm. things yeah. in one kind of. And I find that would be one thing that if I'm talking with uh, you know uh, my family who also speak French, then I can say that, put that in mm-hmm. as a kind of shorthand because it's quite useful. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I accept this. I. I. I take. I don't mind this character failing if it is one yeah. you know in that example um assuming it is really useful huh. so there yeah. are just certain things where it has a force and it has an economy that's the thing yeah yeah that's exactly um and it and it may be a pleasure in the in the in the voicing as well mm. and it's that that you that you're seeking um yeah but I I also take the stance of uh of, of against against against
2: yes. untranslatability <laughs> okay. yeah
1: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> when you speak Spanish, you know Spanish is spoken for so many people in many different ways, but uh, we always understand each other, and um, so we are kind of used of of, of this, uh, uh little tricks between Argentinian and Chilean way of speaking Spanish and Mexican way of speaking Spanish and the way they speak Spanish in Spain is a little more different than the way we we, 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 we deal with it in, 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 in our countries. Uh, so in a way you, you are always translating yourself. And if you read books, I think literature is like a second language for, for, for everybody. I mean, uh, uh, you, you are, you are yeah. you, you might not uh, speak a second language but if you read novels if you read poems uh, you 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 want the language to to work in a different way and 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 i really like that so the question about uh, 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 what it, what it is and, and what what it feels untranslatable uh, uh it's a question i like a lot because when you get to that uh, you are getting to something that 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 it's uh, important to think about, and, and yeah. so I, I would get uh, 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 closer to Megan and fear about two kinds of people. <laughs> but, <laughs> because in, I think uh, well, there is also a, an international way of speaking Spanish, a, a very dead way of speaking
0: yeah uh, like neutral It's a,
2: the, the language of best selling books i mean uh, mm-hmm. i mean I'm, I'm talking about the genre called best sellers no not, not the books that that mm-hmm. sell well you know because in in spanish we call them best sellers and that means uh like um i don't know how to say it. commercial commercial, literature. commercial. And, and so th- th- there's many writers that, that that use spanish in a way every uh, person would uh, get it without um Feeling uh, a real way of approaching that language, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so it's mm-hmm. a, a very interesting, I think.
3: Yeah, because I thought you were. I thought the point you were going to end on was something like it's translation all the way down, like in every slippage and every move from genre to genre, there's translation. But then you ended by saying no, but there is this way you can iron out all of the space, and and we have that in English too, right? Like business English or standard English. I feel like I.A. Richards tried to develop that simplified English, but he didn't need to develop it because it's the language of like international business meetings or something. So and there's yeah. also bad English, which is the English I speak. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's really easy your, to me. English <laughs> might be many things, but it's not that. No, <laughs> sometimes it's really easy to
2: need to speak uh, with people who who have the the English as second language because yeah, it, mm-hmm. with with, yeah. with 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 a, with a person from from Holland who so speak the same bad yeah. English you know <laughs> yeah that's a lot that's a although, Randall although they amazing, yeah they speak yeah, amazing do.
1: amazing English in, in here which yeah. is a, a limitation on my Dutch learning because they just like they <laughs> right. just astound me right. um, but I agree yeah I like that meeting meeting as two non you know second language speakers of a common language and it feels like a territory that's all your own I really like that yeah. um, speaking French with other non-native French speakers
3: so um, with the Idea that this is going to be an interminable conversation, which I'm sure will be continued beyond this. But I was still, I'm still going to wrap up the podcast part by thanking the Society for Novel Studies for its sponsorship and acknowledging support from our partner, Public Books. Uh, Hannah Jurgensen is our graduate intern. Connor Hibbert is the sound engineer. And I'd encourage you to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So novelists from past seasons include shang Ray Lee, Teju Cole, Orhan Pama, Helen Garner, Secret Nunez, and Carol Phillips, and many more conversations like this one, though, perhaps not as sublime as this particular one, but many more conversations are coming your way this season. So thank you all so much for participating. Um, you know, Kate, Megan, Alejandro, it's been a great pleasure. And, thank um, you. Thank, thank and you thank, very much. And thank you all for listening.